Uh, I'm Bobby Harrington. We're so glad to have each and every one of you with us. Now, today I wanted to talk to you about why I believe this conversation is so important today. I believe that God's plan is that families disciple children. I believe the most important discipling ever done is done in the home. And uh, to help us with that, we have two experts today, and uh, I want to introduce them to you. Let me first introduce Jason Hauser. I want everybody to know about you. Uh, <laughs> Jason leads Seeds Family Worship, which is a national ministry helping families to disciple their children. And uh, we're, we're going to hear more about Jason, but I just want to say it's a real honor to have you with us, Jason. And awesome. uh, look forward Bobby, to what you're going to say. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this community today. All right. Now you stay there for a second and let's have Jay Austin join us. Jay Austin is the family discipleship minister at my church, Harpeth Christian Church, but he's much more than that. He is also the pilot, the creator, the guide of this incredible resource that you're going to find today at renew forward slash. RLTC, which is basically a website that's fantastic for church leaders and for families. And Jay's going to talk to us about that. Jay, welcome. Thank you, Bobby. I'm looking forward to this. You said it was a, an important conversation. I believe this is the most critical conversation we can be having. So thank you for doing yeah, this. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. And we're going to explain that. I want to just start off by talking about my role as a lead pastor in the church. And to do that, I just want to walk you through a thought process and show you why this conversation is so important, and especially as we talk about it from our chairs as the, the leaders of, of our churches, in the sense that when we are a lead pastor of a church, we have this privilege of talking about things and of giving airtime to things and of leading the church into things. And it's such an important stewardship. We want to make sure that we are stewarding it in the exact right way. So I want to walk you through a thought process, and then Jason and Jay are going to jump in and help me with it. By the way, I may have said this inaccurately, so it's going to feel like a little bit of a commercial and I just want to I want to talk about that because uh, we have zero desire ultimately to uh, have a commercial or market stuff, but we have a desire that people disciple their kids. And in most churches, the biggest barrier is going to be tools and material. People will say, "Yeah, I want to disciple my kids, but will you show me how to do it?" Lead pastors will say, "I want to emphasize it, but I, I don't know how to guide my folks." So we have two things today that we're going to emphasize. The Real Life Theology Conversations book, and we're going to explain what a catechism is, and also this incredible website with free church and family tools that will really help everybody. Please do not get lost in the material, because the material—you may find something better. We don't know of anything better, but if you do, you should use that. Let me just say that to get that out of the way. 
I just, I'm so excited about this because, you know, I've been a lead pastor, a lead senior minister for uh, 36 years, and uh, I've never seen material this good. And I'm so excited about it. It just, it's going to come out of me. Now, we know this in history, in North American history, 80 to 85% of people who become Christians do so by the time they're 14 years of age. So those of us who care about evangelism, those of us who care about reaching people, those of us who want to depopulate hell, you know, and redeem the world and bring the kingdom of God, we would right away go, wow, 80, 80 to 85% is going to give me my most effectiveness. Boy, from a pragmatic basis, I just need to focus on that. Now, uh, I want to bring something up. Uh, God's plan A is ultimately going to be the family. Genesis chapter 2 begins with that, right? Where it says, uh, you know, God created the woman and brought her to the man. He said, and she's now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And so God unites the husband and wife in marriage, and they become one flesh. Well, it becomes the basis, the primary basis of the mandate that God gave to fill the earth and multiply and then through Jesus to literally repopulate the world with disciples of Jesus. So we can say the family's really important. And I would point to Ephesians 6, not just the family, but the fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, here's my point. Where are fathers going to learn to do that? And I suggest that where they're going to learn to do that is the local church. God's plan for the education of families is the local church. And where there are no families, if there's a breakdown in the family, and we know that approximately 35 to 40 percent of all children now are being raised in single-parent families, then it's got to be the church that helps the family fathers and mothers or uh, blended families or single mothers or single fathers, the church has to help families because uh, the family won't know to do what the family needs to do apart from the church. So when we look at this text, which is written to a church, Paul wrote it to the Ephesians, that the Ephesian church would teach the fathers, we see this emphasis on fathers, and uh, a reminder, as Jason's going to share with us in the next section, that fathers are the primary leaders in the family, discipling their kids, but they do it with wives. And in fact, it's fathers and mothers discipling the kids. And if there is no father, the mother does it. And if there is no uh, mother, the father does it. Now, let's look at when it says here, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The word for instruction in Ephesians 6.4 is derived from the Greek word for mind, nos, and it literally means set your mind in a certain direction to commit your thinking to follow God's truth. So the Bible says, uh, with an emphasis on the Father, but for parents to instruct their children in the ways of God. And what does that mean? Well, it means that they actually teach them content. Now, we're going to use a word that 
is used oftentimes in other contexts, like a Roman Catholic context or a mainline church context. We're going to go ahead and use it, but define it. The word catechism is technically a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used for the instruction of Christians or used for children. So think of a catechism. It's just a summary of what the Bible teaches, and it's been used as an important tool for hundreds of years, going all the way back to the early church. And so we are advocates of that with real-life theology conversations. Now, Nancy Piercy, in her book that just came out called The Toxic War on Masculinity, has some great discussions about men and about fathers. And since Ephesians 6 punctuates the father's role, I want to do the same. Here's what she says in talking about the tremendous influence of fathers. And I'm going to show you a killer quote uh, of the actual statistics on evangelical fathers, how great of a job they've been doing for the last 20, 30 years. Um, But she says this, yet a father can provide this high level of instruction to his children only if he has accepted it for himself. Then she says this, if he has been discipled and instructed in God's truth. Before he can teach, he must be taught. So I just want to go back to, hey, in the church, it's our job as senior leaders to make sure that our families are being discipled. But to do that, we're going to have to disciple the father, and we're going to have to disciple the mothers so that they can disciple their children. John Chrysostom, the fourth century church father, wrote, let everything take second place to care for children, are bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. After all, what is at stake is the child's eternal destiny. It wasn't just Chrysostom saying it. This is a common theme throughout church history. The preface to Martin Luther's large catechism says, catch this, guys, it is the duty of every father of a family to question and examine his children and servants at least once a week and to see what they know or are learning from the catechism. And if they do not know it, to keep them faithfully at it. So our job as lead pastors and as uh, leaders in our church is to make sure we are talking about casting a vision for family discipleship and that we are providing tools for family discipleship and that we are raising the bar, especially for fathers. But again, if the father's not there, and the best case, it's the father and the mother where we're raising the bar for family discipleship. Now, I wanted to share with you a great quote from this book by Nancy Piercy, because I would just want to encourage everybody that we are coming from a line of men and fathers who have done a great job. And we just want to keep doing that. Here's what Nancy Piercy said. And just this is a great news about what we're doing with fathers. She said, many people assume that most theologically conservative men are patriarchal and domineering, but sociological studies have refuted that negative stereotype. Compared to secular men, devout Christian family men who attend church regularly are more loving husbands, more engaged fathers. By the way, the research also indicates 
that the sexual satisfaction of all people studied, conservative, devout Christian family men and women have the best enjoyment of that. They also have the lowest rates of divorce, and astonishingly, they have the lowest rate of domestic violence of any major group in America. This research is largely unknown, and even Christians are surprised to learn it. The evidence shows that Christianity has, a, has the power to overcome toxic behavior in men and reconcile the sexes, an unexpected finding that has stood up to rigorous empirical testing. We should be bold about bringing that to the public square. So I just want to say we come from a long line of people who have advocated for what we are advocating, and I just want to call everybody back to that. So I'd like to ask Jason and Jay if you'll join with us now. All right. It's great, Bob. Thank you. Well, just react. Guys, We, the three of us have talked a lot about this, but just react to my advocacy of the role of the senior minister, the senior pastor. Jay? Yeah, I, I'm going to steal uh, Jason's thunder just a minute here. We We went to a conference a couple of years ago, and it was a room full of family discipleship ministers, children's ministers, youth ministers, and the, the overwhelming topic that came up was that they feel disconnected from the uh, lead pastor, that there's not a unity of mission. And that was something that they longed for, is to be able to have the same vision and purpose for the entire church related to family ministry. Yeah, and at that conference, there were even some senior pastors as a part of that discussion group that were even having a revelation within themselves, as I heard some of the other family ministers and children's ministry directors speak that like, hey, how can I take a role, a greater role? And one pastor shared a story. He said he had been um, at this conference a year prior and was convicted and went back to his church and led a whole month on family ministry, family discipleship, child discipleship. And he said he was really able to include the whole church in that discussion. It was their Sunday morning. They committed the month to it. And he was so thankful. And he saw a lot of fruit from that. He said, it, you know, he was a little trepidatious at first to like, okay, we're going to be talking about families for a whole month here. And is that going to exclude people? But he found it really brought community and church together. So we want to encourage senior pastors in that. That's something that we want to be careful to be include everyone, singles, people at different stages of life, empty nesters. But I think to teach these principles of family that are core in the, in God's word really actually strengthens the church community. And of course, it's all of us as a church, we're a family, and all of us are called to pass our faith down to the next generation scripturally. And so it's something that, that I think as senior pastor, it's a way that they can pull together the whole church as a community. You so, know, you guys, when, when, if I was sitting there listening to this myself, as a, I still serve as a lead pastor of a church, I'm thinking, oh no, now there's another thing I got. I get Sunday comes after Sunday. I've got to preach really well. I got to lead well. I got a pro problems with the elders here, staff there. I've got people with problems. And now you're telling me that the most important thing I'm going to do is helping people with family. It can feel a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, I don't want people to feel that but we want people to realize it yeah. because 
invariably when it's a conversation around family discipleship, lead pastors send other people rather than going themselves. And we don't, we just don't want to, we just don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I made a note, Bobby, when you were talking about Ephesians 6, 4, about fathers do not exasperate your children or bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. When you said, you know, where are, where are fathers going to learn this? Where are fathers and mothers, where are they going to learn this? Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And when God really did this amazing work in my life and turned my heart back toward my family, literally my Lord, as the Lord turned my heart back to my children, to my wife, and I was a part of Bobby Harrington's church. And when God did that work in me, I didn't have that model to me as a child or as a young person. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It was the church that taught me how to do that. Bobby, you were part of that discipleship for me as a lead pastor, coming to our home, spending that time. I know it's difficult in this day and age and with bigger churches and communities, but having pastors, both the pastors, the elders, and other married couples, there were many people in that season when my kids were young that spoke into my life, that spoke into our family, that changed our family and changed our trajectory. But we really learned this from the church. I mean, we're an example. <laughs> it's like, as you're saying that, I'm like, I didn't know. And when I started doing any kind of family devotions, my kids, my boys were fighting and I got angry and <laughs> I did it all wrong. And just like, but I was committed. I was encouraged. I was part of a community where that was such a high priority that I'm like, I am going to do this because this, I know this is most important. And Bobby, when you dedicated our, you know, one of my sons, you spoke Deuteronomy 6 you know, over our family and what that looks like. And so it was years and years. I'm still learning. I'm an empty nester now. I'm still learning these things, right? But Boy, and I'm still learning too. But the oh. importance of this for all of us, whether you're a senior pastor, a family ministry director, an elder here, like for us as a church, and I'll talk about this more in when my talk, but it's such an important moment for us to come alongside families. And we're going to share with you, we don't want to miss this moment to come alongside families. And so we do want to create not a burden, but a conviction and a sense of urgency around what we're talking about today. That's oh, so true. Jay, why don't you jump That's in good. here? Yeah, we have been in a model of attractional ministry where we've been attracting children and we've been attracting youth. And primarily it's been based on topics and how to attract them to the church. That's not working. We are seeing them leave at uh, college level, high school level, and not returning to the church. And so we have to take seriously what the Bible has taught about discipleship and family discipleship rather than what the culture is telling us to do. And that's hard. It's a culture shift. Uh, but we have to be committed to that. And to be honest, that sometimes takes the, uh, us getting out on a limb and then keeping out on the limb long enough for the culture to develop. Uh, and so this is something that we, we say we're going to be family uh, discipleship driven, the first year is bumpy. The second year, you're starting to get your feet under you. But by the third year, uh, people's eyes are opened up and you start to see a, a consistency of families attending church week in and week out rather than one and a half times a month. They're coming three times a month. And you see that the, the, it changes because there's two families involved here. There's the family that is doing the discipleship and then there's the family of God. He's putting senior, put senior adults, he's put young families, he's put singles together to model the family of God. And so when we put those two things together, it's an amazing recipe for giving a beautiful vision of what family looks like. <clears throat> and we've lost it in our culture. We have an opportunity in the church to just recapture it. 
You know, the other thing that's happening in our culture today is that the world is just on turbocharge out discipling the church. In many of our churches, we have a Sunday gathering and a small group. And if you can get somebody to come to church regularly, like say three, three times a month and get them in a small group, that's a very committed person. But think about that. Their kids will have children's ministry on Sunday, but in a small group, they're typically not doing things. Now, some churches have Wednesday night, but if you compare the discipling the church programs are going to do compared to the families, there's no comparison. And the reality is God's plan A is not that the church would disciple the kids, that the church would disciple the families to disciple, the, the church would disciple the parents to disciple the families. Like we've got, we just got to realize that's the culture that we've got to work so hard to create that the scorecard is family discipleship is the most important scorecard a church can have if we care about long-term fruit. Because yes. and that's the vision. Yeah, yeah. Jump in, Jay. I feel like I'm no, that's so that is so good. We can do good ministry week in and week out. We can do exciting things. We're getting ready to do vacation Bible school. We're excited. Uh, but what happens <laughs> 10 years, 20 years, uh, 30 years in the life of a child until Jesus returns? That's really our desire to, to, to watch that happen. I will also say just from my background personally, I've been a senior pastor. I've been an executive pastor. And now God's given me the grace to do what I love. And that is family discipleship culture. But the, any success that I have really comes from Bobby's voice on the stage and leading as the senior pastor that gives me the runway to be able to lead out. And so that role is paramount in family discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. I just that we picked the title of this session on purpose. The primary family discipleship minister of a local church is the senior minister pastor of that church. Yep. The buck really does stop with us, but also joyfully, we can make such a difference if we'll help families and give them the tools and create that culture with our team so that family discipleship is the thing that, that goes on. Let me just say this, and, and then we're going to send everybody to your breakout groups. If you're a lead pastor of a church, and if you're a youth minister, you know what I'm saying, or a family discipleship minister. When people come to the church, now we want to reach lost people, but if 80 to 85% of all the people who are coming to Christ are doing so by the time they're 14, you're going to know that's true because of this. When a family comes to church with really devout Christian kids, or you know they're discipling their kids, you know how they're different. You know how they're going to be involved in student ministry and how their family's going to be involved in things. And you know, when they graduate from high school, that the best statistics are those families who have been pouring into and discipling their kids. All we're saying is, let's talk about that. Let's champion that. Let's make a difference and create as many of those families as possible, because that's God's plan A. So we're going to come back and keep this conversation going. <laughs> 